0: The Chicago Bears lose at home again, falling 33 to 22 to the San Francisco 49ers as their record drops to 3 and 5. I bring on Bear Reports Andrew Freeman to talk through the game with me on this episode of Bear with Me. What's going on everybody and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I'm glad to be back because I sounded like Job of the Hut last week, so, so sick that I couldn't go through a Tampa Bay game that only made me sicker, but here I am with Bear Reports and... Andrew Freeman to talk through a game against the 49ers that we don't have to pretend it was good, but at least it had more positives than the Tampa Bay game. Maybe not in the short term, because certainly, like somebody said in the comments section, lose, it's one thing to get smoked by the defending champs. It's another thing to lose at home to a 2-4 and four team with injuries all over the roster. But at least there was some entertainment value. I mean, I certainly thought Justin Fields played well, but I don't want to steal your thunder. Andrew, how are you? What did you think of the game?
1: Yeah, doing good this week, man. You know, like you said, a lot lot more palatable of a viewing experience than last week. Uh, Certainly a lot more positives on the offensive side of the ball with Justin Fields. But, you know, happy Halloween, man. Thanks for having having me on today. Um, And, yeah, I mean, really excited to talk about this game because, you know, like you said, short term, it sucks that the Bears lost in a game that I thought was very winnable on the schedule. Like, I had them winning this game. You know, I thought it would be a lot more low scoring of a game. Uh, that that's for sure. But, uh, you know, the offense looks a lot better today and that's because we saw a lot more positives from Justin Fields who, you know, after a disaster last week, he looked pretty good today. And Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's gotta feel good for bears fans.
0: Absolutely. Now I'll give you the decision. We could have probably talked about this pre-show, but we didn't. So I'm just going to ask you straight out. Do you want to start with Justin Fields, or do you want to save that until after the sponsorship break and just go after all the defensive discussion that you know we have to talk about, like, up front? What do you want hmm. to do?
1: Let, let's get the positive out of the way right now. Sounds I don't want to – I want to delay the inevitable as long as possible. We're, we're going to do a Ryan Pace here. We're going to de- delay the inevitable as yes. long as possible. We're going to kick the can down the road. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go after our guy right here. We're going to talk about some Justin Fields. So I'd say let's do that. Go for it. And to start us off, what'd you think? All right. So, yeah, it it was, uh, again, you can nitpick a couple of plays here and there. We were talking about this a little bit pre-show. You know, a couple of throws that he threw high over the middle of the field that he he probably wants to have back in this one. But, you know, the positives here in terms of the play extension ability, you know, some of the throws he made, that that one throw he made, the Jesse James in the end zone was just, I don't know if you saw the end zone angle of that, but, I'm mean, going to throw it off platform like that across his body with a tight window with the defender, right, right there, like hands extended, like that was just beautiful. And and then the touchdown run he had was, I, I was laughing the entire time. Like I, it was hilarious. Like how good he looked on the field. Like he looked like a man amongst boys, like just, it looked like the, the adult who's playing in the, uh, kids like two-hand touch football game and the kids just can't get a hand on him because he's just faster bigger and stronger than all of them and it's just it, it was it was so fun to watch like so the, the flashes were definitely there in this one And he was a lot more consistent like he was getting the ball out on time he was much more efficient in the quick game um we didn't see many of the plays down the field that we've seen in previous weeks uh, especially that lions game but you know I expect those to be there in time. This offense, you know, they just don't have, I think, the weapons to, to make that work right now. They don't have the offensive line, certainly, to make that work right now. But there were so many good things from Justin Fields in this game, and this is a game that he needed because that that game he had last week. You know, we were talking pre show how you know you wanted to give him a a pass and a lot of that, because you know, you're right, because they're realistically, most rookie quarterbacks weren't going to be successful in that situation like the offensive line was bad in that one uh with when lachevia city was without there was out bad there i should as say word. yeah <laughs> bad bad is a word for, for it uh we'll go with that for now uh the receivers the game plan like nothing was working for for that for that one and um this one you know there was just he had a better chance to succeed but he also again there were also instances where he had to put the team on his back in this one uh to get the job done and he did that so uh I, I can't say enough good things from Jesse Fields' performance. This was what, again, this is what he needed because, you know, the Cleveland game was bad, the Buccaneers game was bad. It feels like the Bears' offense have been trying to hide him as much as possible, rather than just letting him do his thing. And we got instances of that late in this game as well. Where I feel like they they stuck with the run a little bit too long in the second half. But all in all, man, there's just there were just too many too many good stuff out there from Jesse Fields mm-hmm. today. Like short term, again, it sucks that they lost the game, but. You know, from a larger point of view, long-term speaking, uh, this is exactly the game that we
0: needed to see to feel like Justin Fields is heading in the right direction. Right. I mean, it's a bad loss from the team's perspective. Defense didn't play well. The fact that Nagy missed the game and they looked a little bit more organized, but still lost to a team that's two and four. Not good. But let's let's table that because I'm with you. I mean. I don't expect every Bear With Me viewer to have followed all of my different breakdown streams, and that's totally fine. So I'll tell you where I was feeling coming into this game. I felt like over the next three games, where if you didn't know, Justin Fields' first five games of relatively intense action, which is a qualifier so that I can include the Cincinnati game, have come against defenses that are top 10 in pressure rate, which if you think about... Pressure rate, which goes directly against Justin Fields' tendency to hold on to the ball, that is a bad matchup. And coming into this game, they get, or they were going up against a 49er defense that I think was 13th overall, so slightly above average. But more importantly, they were 29th in generating pressure. Which is a little wild when you think about a team with D Ford, D Ford who was hurt, and Nick Bosa, who's awesome. But that's where the numbers were. So... I came into this game and the Pittsburgh game because they're not good at generating pressure either and the Lions game after that thinking... We have got to get our Justin Fields breakout game eventually, or we're lying to ourselves. Like I understand what I'm seeing on film, but it would be way less realistic to be positive about a quarterback that doesn't play well against the Niners, or doesn't play well, and doesn't play well against Pittsburgh, and then maybe he does something decent against the Lions, and and still try to sell myself that you know in year two he's going to be a top ten quarterback. Well, today. We saw Justin Fields look good, and I would tell you that I thought his true deep ball, like the one that we saw, which he had one attempt that I think is relevant, because I'm going to throw out the end, like, two scores down, interception. The game was over which, by that point. Who cares? Um, especially since I think Mooney could have caught the ball, but that's neither here nor there. But so the deep shot that he had to Mooney, where, or the drive before that, was off target, which you could describe as uncharacteristic, but all the short stuff where we needed to see Fields get better, and we knew he was bad at since as early as Cincinnati-Cleveland, he looked way better way stronger in. I can't get enough of his blitz recognition. Somebody said this in the chat. I agree. His his throw or go clock was awesome today. He didn't run for 100 yards on accident. At least five of those scrambles, one in particular that comes to mind, came from the pocket getting collapsed around him and him bouncing out of the pocket to race up the field for about 20 to 22 yards. I mean, he was awesome in areas that we needed to see him get better in. And at the very least, it left me really positive going forward for who he is going to be. Now, like you said, there were mistakes. We do not need to just glow and glow and glow and glow over a performance where he was 19 for 27 for 175 yards with four sacks. There are warts that still need to be ironed out. But if you're feeling like I am, it was just nice to see Progress, Because that's the word here, right? It was progress in how he looks at the field. Progress in how quickly his timer goes from I'm in the pocket to get the heck out. I mean, there was progress in how he managed the offense around him. Progress in his anticipation throws here and there and everywhere. I mean, even if he's not fully scanning the field right now, at least he was making decisions faster. And that shows to me, at least that he might be around the corner from really starting to put things together, though. I'm trying to remind myself to be patient. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely saw the development there. And again, like
1: you said, the short game, he was, it was night and day difference from what we've seen in, in previous games, like you know, the Cleveland game, like he could not make a quick redecision, decision it, it seems to save his life in that one. Like he was like, it, it, ball was getting out in time. And when it did get out in time, he was throwing, it to the wrong guy. Like, not good. And then Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, like you could definitely point out a couple of instances where he's slow to get the ball out or he's, he's reading the wrong side of the field. Like, Not good stuff. This one today, it felt like every time they went to the quick game, he was making the right decision. He was doing it on time. And when nothing was there, like you said, he had that internal clock was a little bit faster in this one to where he knew that, okay, nothing's there. I got to get out here and make a play or just get the ball out. And he did that. So, again, we're, we're seeing – And again, development's not a linear thing. There's going to be some values. There's going to be some ups and downs, basically. Um, But this is definitely an upswing here today, and he just has to keep on building on these things. And, you know, the numbers, I feel like they they undersell how well he played in this one. Like the interception, forget about it. Like that's – don't worry about the interception. That wasn't – one, I don't think it's on him because I think you mentioned this earlier, Darnell Mooney probably – should have caught that ball. I mean, it's a tough catch, but you expect a guy who the Bears expect to be their number one wide
0: receiver, it seems, next year just to catch that ball. Just so I can make it said because I don't expect <laughs> him to catch the ball high-pointing it at his fingertips. He right. just came to a full stop and then yeah. jumped as high as he could, and the ball got over him. And I find myself thinking that if he had just hit the brakes to 50%, instead of to ten percent speed, he might have had the ball fall into his shoulder, but I need to see the play again. Like, I don't think yeah. he should have caught it like exactly the same way, but it comes down at it. That's a tough catch. That would have been an amazing catch. I I just think to be clear and who cares that he might have hit the brakes a little too hard and ended up with a ball that floated over his head. Not dissimilar to when you see an MLB outfielder attack a fly ball and then realize, Oh shoot, it's over me Mm -hmm. and just flop backwards. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I'm not saying it's like a, it's like a flat out drop or anything where it's like, that's like an easy catch at any, any wide receiver should be able to make like, no, it's a tough play to make, but at the same time, like the bears are clearly angling, Darnell Mooney to be their number one wide receiver right now and going into the future it seems like which is a whole different discussion for another day you know with that said if if he's expected to be the number one guy like the number one guys in most offenses like they come down with that sort of play routinely i'm not saying
0: every single time but you know it, it was whatever and it wouldn't have mattered The Bears were down two scores. I think it's fair to say we've already now spent too many words on the least important play in this game, Mm -hmm. which let's just move on from it because it's it's a bummer for the box score. But that's it. That's literally it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny that what looking through this game. I mean, there were other positives. For instance, credit to Larry Borum, who I didn't notice at all. Like, I didn't hear his name called, I didn't see his name, or, like, see him at all, I mean, I saw 75 out there on the field, but there was nothing that really, like, you saw and needed to feel like you would comment about, and the only time that the Bears gave up a sack on the right side was when, for some reason, we decided to put Alex Bars in, who lines up and immediately just gets shredded, I mean... The Bears are still having issues running the ball to the right-hand side. Man, they got cooked a couple times when they would just try to, especially in the back half of the game. But to to the rookie fifth-rounder's credit, he came off of IR, had roughly the usual three days of practice with, like, two of those being walkthroughs, and came out against the 49ers and held his own. So I feel like he and Herbert deserve subsequent hat tips. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I thought, you know, Herbert had another nice game again, showing that juice that that he has. Like Herbert looks like he looks like a player and, and he was a nice find in the sixth round for them. Like there were a lot of draft nicks that were very high in him in the draft process. Um, I kind of overlooked him a little bit when I was kind of skying running backs. Like I normally don't really go that in depth on running backs because running backs like you can just find a guy <laughs> right. but clearly the bears they, they found somebody here like clearly herbert looks really good i'm excited to see this running back duo once they get david montgomery back healthy and to see what they do with the the carries and how they split uh you know their snaps uh once they have those guys once you punch but yeah larry borum i thought he played a solid game you know again like you said it's always a positive for an offensive line when you don't hear their name called too much or when you don't obviously notice them because usually when you obviously notice them either they're making a pancake block. Like we've seen Jason Peters do a couple of times this year, or James Daniels, even in in that Raiders game, or they're just getting beat really badly. And we didn't see really any of that today. So that's certainly positive. Like I think Larry Bourne wasn't he coming off like a high ankle sprain or something like that? Like it it was some kind of, it was some (laughs) kind of, it was some kind of lower body injury where you wouldn't expect a guy to, to come back and look like that good, you know, that early on, especially with the limited practice he had. So, Ah, uh, Boreham, he he looks solid out there. Again, we'll have to see, I'll have to see how he how he actually was on a snap to snap basis right. when I look at the tape, obviously. So, but immediate thoughts right now, like Borum, you did again, you didn't notice him out there, so obviously that means he's not being terrible. Sure. Being too terrible. Coming off of...
0: That's a positive. It's so key that I make sure that we mention, yes, the 49ers aren't Tampa Bay, but like we're coming off of a game where somebody in a similar position to Borum, Simmons had three years experience, two years experience in the NFL, if you count this as his second year, but he had no practice and Borum comes off of IR with almost no net training camp practice and three days of walkthroughs, I would put the two in a mentally similar place. Place, and Simmons got a zero from PFF as his blocking grade, which you don't have to even like PFF. They gave him a zero. You get 60 points for not being on the field. Like, they, <laughs> it, he was considered that bad. So credit to Borum. I mean, that first watch matters, you know? Again, when you go through the all 22 you can get a little nitpicky i do it you do it that's how it works right because you're trying to find for instance like if you the reason that you get nitpicky is because on that 80 yard screen now all i've seen is a couple replays and the dots thing right with everybody running around on the dots field that play is one of the most beautifully blocked up screen passes i've ever seen I want to pin it on, oh, Eddie Jackson wasn't there. I want to pin it on, oh, somebody blew a tackle or so on and so forth. But that play, they get a center 25 yards downfield who blocks tees to Tabor, who's trying to cut the playoff. I mean, they were just – that's why you get nitpicky is so that twice a game maybe – all 11 guys just nail their assignments absolutely flawlessly, and something that should be like nine yards ends up almost in the end zone. But, it, yeah, getting back to Borum, I do think that that live first impression carries some weight. We didn't see him as a problem in the game. If anything, I thought from a pass protection perspective, he looked better than Peters, who got confused a couple times on different stunts here and there, but... We don't need to say anything bad about the guy who walked in and more or less restabilized the Bears' offensive line, and I think you know that.
1: He, he's he's saved their season, to a Because <laughs> I can't like their offensive line situation's that been bad all year long, but I can't imagine how bad it would be if they just didn't find Jason Peters fishing on a boat somewhere and say, "Hey, want to come play football this year?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll co- I'll co- collect a couple million dollars here, mm-hmm. play some football." <laughs> it's just, yeah, the the, right. the whole. The whole Boreham situation, you know, again, for a fifth-round pick, my expectations were always for him coming out of the draft that if he can develop into a solid, positive as a swing tackle, that's – you nailed the pick. Like, you hit a run in the fifth round. Like, tackles are hard to find anyway. Um, It's even difficult to find a quality starter, like, in day one, day two of the draft, let alone on day three. So my expectations were always if he's a solid swing guy, you got something there. If he is anything more than that, then – home run home run pick right there so the fact that he could come in and was solid enough to where we're not talking about him as a problem like Latjavius Simmons was last week definitely positive for Borne moving forward and we'll just have to see how he develops moving forward because I think he's gonna get a lot of playing time here down the stretch of this season because he's gonna have to because I don't know who else they can throw out there that's gonna be any good
0: so yep. and we're gonna see a lot of Borm this year oh yeah and before we get off into defense it's coming just Just know it is. Does it have to? Yeah, it it does. (laughs) Let's throw a couple more hat tips out there. We can just go back and forth. I feel like we didn't talk enough about the fourth and one conversion. I don't want to gloss over one of the funnest plays I've watched in a long dadgum time as Justin Fields took the ball. I couldn't tell first glance whether it's just a designed QB run. I really have no idea because it looked like there might be an option tag or a throwing tag part but he breaks two tackles finds his way to the back end of the play credit to mooney credit to peters credit to basically the whole offensive line i think cole kmet was in there they kept blocking they somehow believed justin fields might pull it off after the second one and turned a fourth and one loss of five into a touchdown another guy that i i will talk about we've talked a little bit about herbert there were so many moments where i saw herbert up. Uh, He's going to be down at the line of script. Nope, he's not. He gained nine yards. He would just snap tackles in an instant. And normally, that's not the job of your outside zone running back that just picks the right hole and goes. But it's the 49ers' defense credit, they pretty much plugged the Bears running game all together, and it was broken tackles and broken tackles alone that I feel like turned what should have been maybe a 30-yard day into a 77-yard day with a lot of key first-down conversions. So I'll talk about those two. Is there anybody specifically that you want to call out as, I thought they played pretty well?
1: Um, It's tough on the initial watch. Like I can go all day on Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert. That's kind of the problem with this. This offense, uh, it's just that like there's not enough playmakers out here to really call out, unfortunately. You know, I'll say this. Jesse James, he had a really good game in this one. Like I kind of threw this joke out there on Twitter like, like throughout the game that Jesse James tight in one. Uh, in on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and I both know that's yeah. a cheap shot.
1: <laughs> I, I try not to go there too often, but, you know, just having some fun with it. But, you know, he had a good game. You know, I'll even say it, Cole Komet had a couple of nice plays. Like, I know a lot of people are going give to him, give him crap for that. I guess technically it's a drop touch. I don't think it's a drop touchdown that he had earlier in the game. But you know, he, I thought he was getting held on that play. But, you know, he had a couple of nice catches here and there. You know, I thought, thought he did a good job uh, sealing the edge on some of those uh, play action bootleg concepts that they ran that were successful in this game. So Komet – uh, he, he was solid for what they asked him to do in this game, but I'd say Jesse James was definitely uh, the other, you know, definitely showed out in this one. You can tell that him and Justin Fields just have an innate connection together. And we saw that on that touchdown that he had that, you know, Justin Fields trusted Jesse James to make the play in a tight window there. And Jesse James made a great catch on that play. Like, mm-hmm. I like the throw is going to get all the attention on that one, which it should, yeah. uh, because Justin Fields made a ridiculous throw there. Yep. But I don't want to gloss over Jesse James making a great catch as well full extension diving um in a tough area to get the ball uh James looked pretty good at this game so mm-hmm. I, I gotta give him credit there and you know I'll just go back to that fourth and one play to kind of end my, my thoughts here on this on the offense because you know i I know we got to get to unfortunately this defense here but uh you know the fact that Justin fields breaking that first tackle I think that was bosa where he brought the tackle on initially so tough guy to get around because bosa is just an animal in space when when you get the opportunity to when he gets an opportunity to get you in space he's going to get you down more often than not so for for him to escape that first tackle and then run across the grain like uh that was just really fun stuff right there like like i said before i was like laughing the entire time because it was just it was just so fun to watch and right we don't normally see that as Bears fans. So uh that was just a, a fantastic play and I'm hoping that we get to see more of that going forward because by all means that play should not have worked. Like the game should have been over then once he messed up that play right there. And for him to pull a rabbit out of his hat like that, um, that's why you trade up in the draft to go get that guy because, you know, thirty three percent of the time the play call, whether it's a design failure, whether the defense just wins on the play or whether, you know, you get an execution failure, uh thirty three percent of the time the play call just isn't gonna work just flat out you know even for a good play caller right it's just not gonna work it's bound to happen and we saw it happen on that play and sometimes you need a guy to be special and make something out of nothing for you and that's what Justin Fields did on that play so you know hats off to him because that was just phenomenal and
0: and I'm hoping that we get to see more of that yep if there's one player that you mentioned him I feel like I have to say it right because Cole Kmet got picked with Antoine Winfield on the board. Everybody knows it, right? And as Eddie Jackson's, uh, you know, in some cases, he's been over-criticized, I think, but I'm also one of his biggest fans, so I'll take whatever comes my way. That's fine. But the point is, is that Cole Kmet comes in as a pick that I don't think is ever going to be a true home run, you know? And so Jalen Johnson's his draft mate, which doesn't help him because Jalen Johnson might be a CB1, but to your point, I mean... Cole Kmet has come along as a blocker in a way I don't think anybody really anticipated him to. Like, not just a pass protection blocker, but a run like a run action blocker as well. Cole's doing his job is as a wide tight end, I think better than was anticipated. Now, if there's one area I want to see him grow, it's that especially in the end zone, Cole doesn't seem to have the balance right about how physical he can be to make sure that when his left arm gets deliberately held on that touchdown catch, he draws the call. Like, we could call it a bad call, but we've now seen this two or three times with Komet where he, I don't know if he's overly physical. I watched the play twice, but he didn't get the flag on something where he was reaching out with only one arm. So clearly, usually in those moments, the referee thought that he was borderline OPI one way and just sort of let the defender have it when he holds onto his arm. So I would love to see him run that route better or figure that balance out. Because we've seen too many tight ends make catches off of that exact kind of ISO route. But even there, I honestly feel like Kmet, he's at the stage where if the wide receivers can play a stronger game, he will eat up yards underneath. As much as you might talk about how funny it is to say this is a compliment, number 85 is a freight train when he's got the ball in his hands. So if you can give him that ability to ramp on up to full speed... He's going to produce for you again. It's the, it's the Heath Miller. It's the Jason Witten. It's the Kyle Rudolph. It's the tight end that doesn't feel good, but they're good. Does that make sense? Like it's boring production. It's not fantasy. It's not Zach Ertz. It's not even Desmond Clark, but if he could figure out how to be that red zone threat, because dadgummit, I thought that throw was well-anticipated, well-placed, gave only his guy a shot at it, and then Kmet only had one arm on it, and with it, without a call, that's something I would love to see. I'm not going to pin it on Kmet, obviously those things can go a lot of different ways, but man, if he could just figure out that one spot, he may actually live up to that second-round billing barely, but like single, maybe a double. Do you does that make sense? Am I being too high on the kid?
1: No, it makes sense. Like again, we can go back and forth on whether he was worthy of that selection in the second round. Like I per like just full disclosure, like I never thought he was gonna be he was worth a sure. second round pick. I, I saw him as a third round guy uh throughout the entire process. I, I just did not see him as a second round type of a, a talent that tight end spot. Um but you know for him to be worthy of that pick, like you know doing some of the things like you mentioned uh where his blocking has been a lot better than i expected his one-on-one um, bosa right yeah like yeah he had a couple of good good reps there in this one so um and we I and mean, we've seen him in the run game be a nice contributor in the run game so doing some of those things like again we we can talk about you know the value of drafting a blocking tight end in the second round all we want but sure. that doesn't mean that like, kulkman can't be a quality contributor on this offense and and you know, we saw today that he was a quality contributor for this offense. Um, Again, outside of that touchdown, potential touchdown he could have had there, like, again, that's something to where I feel like there probably was a missed call on that one because he was getting grabbed. Mm-hmm. So, again, it, you have to be fair with the evaluation. Again, I, I'll always be on the side of, you know, he was probably never going to be wor- worth the pick, but... That doesn't mean, again, doesn't mean he can't be a solid contributor for this offense and be a nice starter for them um, moving forward. Because if he can be that, then you can live with it. You can live with a pick if he's a solid, you know, complimentary option in the passing game, contributes as a blocker. Like, you can live with all that stuff. And I think we saw today that Cole Komet We've seen him take a few strides here in terms of being that type of player. Mm
0: -hmm. He's in his second year. Tight end is notoriously long to develop. If I sound like I'm being overly praiseworthy, it's because I can leave it to literally anybody else in the Bears' sphere to just trash the kid for for at this point being on pace, I think somebody did the math, for a 500-yard receiving season. So I don't know. I'll have to take another look at it, obviously. But either way, we've unfortunately hit the end of the positive road it's time to turn into negative Nellies after the break. So we will get let the sponsors get their word in, and we will be back with the bad end of a 33-22 loss. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm here with Bear Reports' Andrew Friedman as we're going through the Bears' tough home loss to the San Francisco 49ers that drops them to 3-5. and five. And, Andrew, I think you know it. The 49ers, who, if memory served, didn't punt one time throughout this game had their way offensively and it felt like it might work out as in the early parts of the game, but boy, oh boy, as soon as Justin Fields scored that heroic fourth and one touchdown, the 49ers hit all gas with no breaks. It wasn't just chunk or it wasn't just singular. Oh wow. That got more than it should have plays. It wasn't the 50 yard bomb that filled might've covered. It wasn't the 80 yard screen that was perfectly blocked up. It was just 10 yards, 25 yards, 10 yards. Eight yards. Free and easy touchdown run by Jimmy Garoppolo, who had two touchdowns for crying out loud, rushing on the day. what do you think of the defensive performance? Uh not a lot of good. <laughs>
1: and uh how do you, first of all how do you let Jimmy Garoppolo of all people get two rushing touchdowns on you? Like that's just that's that's just a whole level new level of bad for this defense. And like they they again, I feel like, you know, with this defense it's tough because they were built to be a front seven dominant defense that hopefully they can dominate with the pass rush. They can stop the run and hopefully that can cover up a relatively, okay, let's just say that right now, they're a talentless, talent-less defensive backfield right now, or secondary, I should say. They have one quality corner in Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson is, I would say, their only s- starter level safety right now. There just isn't enough talent in the secondary to where if your pass rush isn't getting home, they're not going to hold up. And we and we saw that today. And the most concerning thing is is the run defense in this one. Like, the run defense is just falling off a cliff, I feel like, after, you know, I thought they, they started off pretty well over the first four or five weeks of the season. But the last three weeks, man, they've been really bad. I think three straight games of giving up over 100 yards rushing. And again, this one is a little bit different because the 49ers, you have Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. They're, they're, are, they're an offensive line that's built to run the ball effectively, and they're a system that, they typically can turn out 100-yard games like 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 nothing. That's what the 49ers do. They love to run the ball. Shanahan's a genius when it comes to uh, scheming up a run game. Like I expected them to give up some yards in on this one, but I mean, late in the game, like the 49ers were to get, able to get everything they wanted late yep. in the game uh, down the stretch there, and uh, there's just nothing the Bears could do. And I mean, they were clearly missing the presence that Khalil Mack had. I mean, more so in the passing game. I felt like the pass rush did. Uh, nothing. nothing in this game and like they, they, that was a problem for them last week too um, as well so I mean you, you kind of get the feeling that their early success especially you know that Raiders game the Bengals game um, some of the success they had earlier in the year that it might might have just been smoking mirrors from Sean Desai just scheming up ways to get the most out of this out of this unit that if we're being honest just doesn't have a ton of talent on it and that's kind of this the Unfortunate part, because as Bears fans, like we love our defense, obviously, right? And we're used to seeing a, this a talented defense carrying a a poor, to mediocre offense at best. And that's not what we have right now. This Bears defense is average at best, in my opinion. You know, they're going to have some games where they get the right matchup, and the, the pass rush is going to dominate out there, and um it's going to look really good. But they're going to have other weeks where if the pass rush isn't getting home, it's going to be a lot like what we saw today, and it, it could have been a lot worse because you know. I don't know what your thoughts are on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think he's very good, like, at all. And he he certainly hasn't had the strongest season up to date so far. And there were definitely a lot of plays that he left on the field in this game as well. And for him to – when it it seemed like he was getting big plays left and right uh, late in this game. He had that one big play to uh, Debo Samuel, I think it was, uh, before the end of the first half where he hit that big deep shot in the two-minute drill. Uh, That was just a play where – you know, one, why you're letting Kindle Vildor be one on one with Debo Samuel with no safety help in a situation like that wasn't very good. And uh yeah, from there, like again, it, it's very frustrating to see the defensive line that is you know, it's one of the most expensive defensive lines in the NFL. It's one of the most quote unquote talented defensive lines in the NFL. Like there certainly there certainly is talent on the defensive line. I'm not like gonna I'm not gonna say they aren't talented. They they are a talented unit, but uh, for them to get just pushed around like that late in the game, it was, it was just very disheartening.
0: Yep, to say the least. I mean, I'll tell you with a straight face. I thought Hicks played really well. That guy is hilariously just what's the word? Um, he's so intense and he's such an impact. Whether it's chasing down plays twenty yards downfield as a defensive lineman or fighting his way for some pressure, I would not tell you that Hicks is the same like utterly unbelievable player that he was in 2018 where I would tell you with a straight face he belonged in the same conversation as Aaron Donald but he is the heart and soul of a defense that pays three soon to be four more defenders more than him but Nichols is starting to feel like a fifth rounder well actually he'll never feel like a fifth rounder because fifth round DLs are not that good but even so I mean This DL is supposed to be defensive line more talented than it was, but I think what hurts me the most is, so I've been really obnoxious, and I'm about to continue to be obnoxious about the importance of Eddie Jackson. And he went down with what looked like it could have been, gosh, I hope it's just a pulled hamstring, but it looked like it could be worse than that early in this game, and immediately the Bears just started getting destroyed in the secondary. And you could and you could say, well, I mean, it wasn't as if the safety was going to fix it. It's not like I saw Tease Tabor out of position, and you'd be right. But when I look at this defense, what I think was the hardest part, and it really finally clicked when Tabor went into the game, is that what Desai has been able to do with Eddie Jackson is put him anywhere to where the defense or the offense... Doesn't really know where he's gonna be on any given play. Eddie's up at the line. He drops back into center field or cover three safety. Uh, Eddie's in cover two. Now he's up at the line. Now he's helping a linebacker. Now he's over here. Like Eddie moves so much that we got used to saying Duke Shelley, Danny Trevathan, Alec Ogletree, Kendall Vildor, Travis Gibson. They're all really good in coverage, obviously, because Eddie's just sort of floating around, missing tackles. This is the narrative. And, and we keep holding people to some of their worst passing performances of the year. How are we doing it? Well, he goes out, and suddenly the Bears' coverages, you could read him like a book. You could, like, you could set up any play knowing, okay, so they got cover three. Let's send somebody at Tease to bore. We're going to pull him over and get Debo Samuel one-on-one against a corner playing outside leverage for a 50-plus yard bomb. I mean, there were so many little gains, whether it was the intermediate game, the true deep game. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is an extraordinary quarterback, but I do think that they made the day really easy for him. And... I don't know how much, like I can't wait to see the all 22 because it did feel like they basically got really transparent about their defense partially because they lost number four, but man, all of a sudden it was Jalen Johnson and a bunch of weak coverage players up against Debo Samuel and guys that could beat them one-on-one. I mean, when George Kittle's backup tight end beat Danny Trevathan third and eight in an ISO route, that was where it was like, you've got it you've got to be kidding me
1: (laughs) yeah oh man that's i get what you're saying with that in terms of you know a jackson his presence helping out the rest of of the secondary because you know i i agree with you to an extent that you know a jackson while he's not living up to i think his label as one of the better safeties in the game that he's being paid as right now because he's certainly not where he was in 2018 and even to a lesser extent 2019 where he was definitely like Absolutely one of the better coverage safeties in the NFL. Like there's no doubt about it. Like Eddie Jackson was truly a great player during that time period. I'm not sure he's playing at that level still, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as where you have guys out there saying that you know like Eddie Jackson, like he's should be like a backup safety, or you know, DeAndre Houston Carson is currently the best Bears safety on, on the Bears roster. Like I forget all that stuff. Like Eddie Jackson, he's still a quality starter in the NFL right now. He's just probably not a guy worth the price tag that he's currently being paid right now. And he's probably just not that, that 20, 2018 season is probably just an outlier for a guy that's a, a solid player, but just not quite the elite great player that he's being paid to be right now. So you have to have the, that fair expectations of, you know, the balance of, you know, what are, are our expectations for him and how is he actually playing and what can we evaluate from that? So I think Eddie Jackson, because of the fact that the bears, I, I think the bigger issue is that, is that they just don't have enough talent elsewhere on their secondary to where if one guy goes down like if, if Eddie Jackson does go down it hurts the rest of the of the defense so much because like you said with a guy like Eddie Jackson he's versatile enough to where you can do a bunch of stuff with him coverage wise and that just makes things a little bit difficult for quarterbacks and that gives them that extra quick you know split second to process things where it allows the pass rush to maybe get home and we we're certainly able to see that early around the season. And when Eddie Jackson went down, I think you know we'll see again when, when the all twenty-two comes up, and we can actually analyze what was going on in the game schematically speaking. Um, you know, I, I can definitely see it where it was just a little bit easier for Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo to sit back there and say, okay, I know where I'm getting pre-snap. Now I now I know what the defense is going to be, and if we're if I'm getting that look, I can just make the quick out to you Debo Samuel, and then we'll get a quick easy completion right there. And it, it just seems like. Everything in, in, in the secondary was just coming way too easy for Jimmy Garoppolo. And again, there were a couple of plays early in the game where you saw that, you know, a couple of drops from the 49ers wide receivers, a couple of bad balls from Jimmy Garoppolo. Like like I said before, like this could have been a lot worse for this defense here because they weren't, there was not a lot of tight coverage going on in this one. And even in, in the instances where Jalen Johnson, like he had that great play in the end zone, uh, Jalen Johnson did, where he had that pass deflection. I think it was on a second down. Um, uh, where Jimmy Graham got his first touchdown. The play before that, uh, Jalen Johnson made a fantastic play in the end zone uh, to get that pass deflection. But even Jalen Johnson, again, and this is the life of a cornerback. Like yep. every cornerback's gonna get beat, and we certainly saw that a couple times with Jalen Johnson against with Samuel, where he got beat. And that's just bound to happen. Samuel's been beating a bunch of really good corners all year long. Like that's not a, a knock against Jalen Johnson, but you know that's the problem. You don't have anybody else that can cover you know for you it just creates so many problems and it goes back to i don't want to talk about like the whole you know ryan pace and and his job here with with the bears into constructing this roster but it it goes back to when you you know you when you totally make an effort to we're gonna beef up the trenches as much as possible and you know we're keeping guys like jimmy graham on the roster and you know we're kicking a bunch of money in the future on guys that we probably should just be getting rid of like it, it doesn't allow you to properly invest in the secondary the way you need to for the modern nfl game and we, we we saw that turn its ugly head once again and um you know it it's it's frustrating to say the least
0: yeah i mean i think the worst part about this is that we could talk about the coverage and i i tend to think we have everybody saw that the bears coverage got carved up you know what i mean especially when so the bright side about a, a safety Because somebody said in the chat that Eddie Jackson right now is, in their words, slumming it in the hall of very good. I like that. That's a good way to put it. I don't know if Eddie Jackson's really ever going to be elite. I think safeties, kind of like running backs, are a product of the defense in front of them, just like running backs are a product of the scheme in front of them when it comes to their own individual production. But what I will tell you is that the Bears had one good corner and one good safety, And the safety could move around, and you knew where the corner was probably going to be. And now they have one good corner and a bunch of guys. We saw it. We could talk about it more. But I feel like we would just be talking about Duke Shelley being a sixth-round pick that never looked particularly good. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff we would say that doesn't hit to the point that I think might matter the most, which was we didn't have Khalil Mack. Now Eddie Jackson's out. This is the game you needed a lot from Roquan Smith. And I felt like the bears got nothing like Roquan got removed from the running game. He missed a couple tackles later in the game, but the real key is the 49ers started just pounding the ball because they were running a really nice gap scheme that was doing what it could to basically remove the impact of the interior defensive line that had stuffed a bunch of runs early in the game. And you needed 58 and six because Trevathan started most of the game to really come through for you here. And I just didn't see what I think I would have wanted to see out of a defender who is trying to get paid $20 million, like trying to put that number into context compared to Fred Warner, who I felt like was everywhere. It felt to me like the difference couldn't have been more clear. And I like Roquan. I think Roquan's a really good coverage linebacker. I think he's hard to find. I think he is a legitimately talented player, but... This was one of those moments where I felt as if maybe you spend that money on receiver instead, but I don't know. I'm sure there are plenty of people that are going to be like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? And I get that. It is an overreaction to just one football game. I'll be honest, but this was a game where we got to see what, would, what it would look like if Roquan Smith was the Bears' best player on defense, and I did not feel like it looked good. What did you think?
1: Yeah, it, the Roquan discussions is uh, fascinating because linebacker in general, it, it's a position to where I feel like you can get by with just below average to just average linebacker play and still have good defense in the modern NFL. Like, it's just a weird position. But like you said, if you have a guy like Roquan who is a true, I wouldn't say weapon in the, in the passing game as a defensive player, but a, a guy that can truly shut down guys in, in pass coverage and make an impact there, like it's very rare to find... Linebackers that are as good in coverage as Roquan is, and, and his speed side the sideline in the run game is an asset. We saw even a couple on uh, a couple of, of zone plays in this game where his speed in side the sideline, when you can keep him clean, he's one of the best in the NFL. Getting sideline side to sideline and just making plays um, in, in the run game there. So Roquan is still a great player. Uh, I, I think he's easily a top ten linebacker. I think probably even top five. Uh, he, he's right up there with. I'm not sure if he's in the elite tier with guys like Bobby Wagner, Levante David, uh, Fred Warner, uh, certainly. I mean, like you said, for Fred Warner, he, he's one of the best out there. I think Roquan's right behind him in that second tier where he's a great player, probably just not the elite guy right now. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, what we saw late in the game, you know, Roquan, again, when you can keep him clean, he is great. Like he is his speed and his instincts are on a whole nother level, but he he has Zero ability to shut a block, unfortunately, and th- that's kind of the big knock on him is that, like, again, he, he's a guy a little bit of a, a shorter stockier stature, shorter arms. Like that was the profile of him coming out coming out of Georgia. You know, everyone knew that his speed and his instincts were off the charts. Like everyone knew that that was going to make him Absolutely. even if he's if he even if he's not great at taking on blocks, like he's going to be a quality impact player because of those traits that he has. And he, he's combined that with uh, his coverage ability and his technique where uh, we saw, I, I noticed him a couple of times shutting down guys in coverage and making things a little bit more difficult. Like he, he had this one play where, I mean, Jimmy Grappolo kind of completion on this play where he, he stuffed out a, a slant uh, in the slot and Jimmy Grappolo's was looking there right away. And he saw, Oh, nope. Roquan's right there. He's going to intercept that. I have to get out of here and make a play. Like those are the t- type of stuff that Roquan can do because he's so smart. And, He's so quick moving sideline to sideline. He can take things away that you normally can't from other linebackers. So we have to keep that in context. But I mean, when you get to the point where it's time to st- you know stop the run and and uh, you know get a stop in the in, in the running game because teams are trying to you know burn some clock near the end of the game, that's not really Roquan's. You know that's not his specialty. He's a guy where right. he, he's built for the modern NFL game in terms of defending the pass, but. Going up to teams that can really grind, grind you in the run game and get to the second level, um, get to the linebackers a little bit, he's going to struggle because, again, like I said, he isn't a guy that can take on blocks particularly well. And we saw that a few times in this game. So I'm, I'm not going to try to take away anything from Oakland. I want to see him be a bear long-term. I, I think he's definitely worth uh, that top-tier linebacker contract just because um, I feel like you know it's – I mean, for – Good to say. It's Ryan Pace is like only good first round pick than Justin Fields, so like you gotta reward the guy. It seems like, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I I see where you're coming from. No, you got me. I'm I'm trying
0: to find a moment to jump in and walk a little bit back. (laughs) <laughs> and just be like, I feel like I'm, I am sounding like I hate Roquan Smith and that's not the case, right?
1: I I, I'm not getting, the, I'm not going that far with this. No, I'm just saying
0: the trouble, the trouble is, is that exactly like your scouting report just said, right? It's Roquan is a phenomenal player when he's kept clean. If you like the 2018 defense, keep Roquan Smith clean, even like the 2020 defense at times, it's going to be Roquan who makes all the impact plays. There he is on a sack. There he is on a fourth and down runs or fourth and one run stop there he is denying a lateral like a lateral out there he is blowing up a screen it's just him freaking everywhere all over the place he can do that The trouble is, and now I'm putting on my capologist hat and getting away from a game preview, so feel free to just slow this train down if you want to, but the trouble is that money that he's currently being offered as a first-round pick, as basically Pace's only real successful first-round pick, and we're not going to count Justin Fields yet because we know we've got to evaluate everything off of a two-year window. Like, Roquan's going to get the money of a do-it-all linebacker that needs help from the front end like he needs high paid guys in front of him really talented guys in front of him that are able to keep him clean and I think it's just that my brain wants a linebacker that can do it themselves and Roquan is a linebacker that needs to be put in position to succeed and if he doesn't have that core around him to do it he's not gonna end up or he's gonna end up blocked and a running back's gonna end up 50 yards downfield I mean there's a lot of truth to that you know And we'll see what things look like, but I know this was a game I wanted him to come up big in, and I don't feel like he did, but it's not like Rokon is at fault. I think you'd agree there. Like, Danny Trevathan, Duke Shelley. I thought Kendall DeVildor did not have a phenomenal game. He's a fifth-round pick. Expectations for him shouldn't be too crazy. I feel like he should still be cornerback three, cornerback four, or a nickel corner, like, in a a normal situation. But here he is starting CB2, and they let him man up Debo Samuel, and it went about as well as we thought it would. You know what I mean? Yeah, the bottom line, look, we're – I know you're not hating on Roquan Smith. Like we both love <laughs> Roquan
1: Smith. Like right. that's, let's make it that's, let's make that clear to your listeners here. Like I, I get what you're saying. And again, from the capologist standpoint, like I understand exactly the point you're saying, because I've been looking at the cap sheet way too much over the past couple of weeks. For, let's just, cause I'm, I'm already looking ahead to, to next off season already. So I, I I'm with you there that it's going to be a decision that the bears are going to have to make, but yeah, let, let's be clear here. There are uh, way more issues on this bears defense than, You know, Roquan Smith not being able to take on blocks like again—that's an issue for Roquan Smith. But in terms of the overall defense, the problem with the overall Bears defense right now is that they have no talent in the secondary, and that the defensive line, when they're injured and banged up, and they're not impact as impactful as they need to be, that's just they can get carved up way too easily. That's the biggest issue, and and that comes down to you have way too many older guys. This defense is getting older, and this and this. They just haven't been able to replenish the talent on that side of the ball. I think the way that, you know, it's, I, I won't say that it's nearly where it was, you know, near, because remember, near the end of like the Lovey Smith era going into the Mark Tressman years, like the defense, like for so long, they were, they were so old at that point. And they just did not replenish the talent on that side of the ball that when finally some of those, you know, veteran guys, you know, hit a cliff and just, fell off the face of the earth like yep. you saw it like the, the lack of talent across the roster was apparent i'm not saying we're at that point yet with some of these veterans on, the, on this current roster and there's they still have some young players to build around here like roquan jalen um johnson like they still have some guys that can play uh, that are young on this defense on this defensive side of the ball but it's getting to that point where you know cleland max above the age of 30 Robert Quinn's over thirty. Keem Hicks is over thirty. Eddie Goldman's not the same player he once was. um I feel like for me where, where he was in twenty eighteen, where he was maybe the most dominant nose tackle in football, he's not that same guy anymore. Right. Um, you know, Eddie Jackson's regressed back to the mean, and, he, and you don't have guys like Bryce Callahan on, on this roster that are nope. really good in the slot. You don't have an Adrian Amos that just that really sound safety that um can cover up some of your mistakes and 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 you know be that last line of defense like. You don't have that on this roster, and when when guys like you know Blau Nichols, his his development, it seems like it's kind of slowing down a little bit. Like he hasn't been, I think, as impactful as we kind of wanted him to see. Like Nichols is a solid role player, and he's good for a fifth round pick, but he's not. The more and more I watch him play, I don't see a guy that is a foundational piece of this defense moving forward. And I the more the more I see of him, the more I'm comfortable, you know, letting some other team. Pay him on a second contract. That makes sense because I mean, like you said, they got to start reserving some money to get some some dang receivers on this team because th- that's where they need the most help. I think going forward, and unfortunately, I think we're going going to see a point where this defense, you know, they're going to still have a lot of great players on it, but they're going to be getting older. And I I, I think this is something for the short term and for over the next couple of years, expect a lot more defensive performances like this because, you know, I think Sean Desai's is doing a good job, but there's only so much you can cover up with smoke and mirrors when right. there are just so many holes all over the place. And oh yeah, defense defense is a unit to where it's a it's a side of the ball to where you know it's great if you have a couple of great players, but it's it's more so about the fact that great defenses don't have any holes on them. Right. And when you have holes everywhere and, and it's 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 very leaky like that, that that's going to be a problematic. And that's what 100%. we're saying.
0: Another thing I think is hard about defense, so what is it? The trade deadline is on my birthday, November 3rd, if memory serves. Correct me there. I, I That is correct, right? Uh,
1: it's either November 3rd or November 2nd. It's one of those two days. Okay. You're you're
0: close. But so either way, that means that we've got a few days before the trade deadline happens and the bears just dipped below 500 at a really key time because they had the chance to even the record. They didn't. But so the key here is obviously the bears aren't going to fire sale. You're not going to hear me say they, they should, but I think the trouble for this team going forward as a pronounced Eddie Jackson, Stan, I don't think most of the defenders on this team absolutely have to be here because I want to see the offense get fixed before we even think about defense. My thought is is that there's always an Adrian Amos out there. It's easier to find a late-round really good safety off of quality scouting because, again, scheme is a ton of a safety success than it is to necessarily pick your safety and build from there. Like, I would tell you that I think safety is an important de- or defensive position in the NFL, and it also might qualify as icing, like uh, when you think of the cake foundation. Like, where is the cake? Your cake is your corners. Your cake is probably your interior defensive linemen. Your cake is, in large part, your edge rushers. Like, if you get those right, you can kind of figure it out at safety and inside linebacker in a lot of defenses. And I don't know if by the time the Bears have their offense figured out Almost any of these defensive players aren't going to suffer a massive aging drop-off or injury problem. So, if the Bears did make a move, I think I hope it would be a small sale. Whether it's, we sell Robert Quinn really high. Or, we trade, honestly, you could trade Eddie Jackson and I think I'd live with it. Because the Bears are 3-5 and five right now and I don't know where they get better. Like, maybe they beat Pittsburgh. Great. Maybe they, I don't know, magically beat Baltimore, though that seems unlikely. They'll probably beat Detroit. But where does the key eighth, ninth, tenth win come from that makes me feel so good about this team that I think they could win a playoff game against a one seed? You know what I mean? Like, the trouble here is this game, at least for me, really solidified that this team is not going anywhere. And that's brutal, right? Because the positive part is in the future, they might. If they take a future attitude, if Ryan Pace doesn't trade away the 2023 or 2022 third rounder so that he can grab Mohamed Sanu or something like that. Like if, if we don't make that move, the bears could end up good sooner than we know it, but dead gummit I don't think they will. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. You're asking Ryan Pace to go against his nature here, which is to not be aggressive and to not, because here's here's the problem with this current regime. One, they're playing for their jobs right now. Like Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, this coaching staff. Like if they don't show growth this year in offense and if they don't win enough games this year, like they're gone. So uh, while I agree 100% with you, like they need to start thinking long-term here and they need to start selling off some of these older assets. Like I don't think Robert Quinn's or Ed Jackson is going to be in the picture just because of their contract structure. Like they're giving up way too much dead money this year to be able to – make that reasonably work i feel like uh but i mean you look at guys like akeem hicks like you can get out of that deal pretty easily like even going to the opposite side of the ball like what's the point of keeping alan robinson on the roster at 17 million if you're not gonna even attempt to throw him the ball it seems like like i i'm so frustrated with that situation and clearly alan robinson is frustrated with that situation because right. he, he seems like checked out at this point like and i don't blame him because he's He's not being put into a position to see succeed. Uh, he doesn't have chemistry with Justin Fields right now, and they're clearly trying to phase him out of the offense. It seems like so. If you know, what's the point of keeping Allen Robinson when I, I can tell you that I can tell you this much: like the Kansas City Chiefs could use another wide receiver on their team, the Baltimore Ravens could probably use another wide, another wide receiver, you know, the Colts could use another wide Like there are a bunch of teams across the league that could use a player with the talents of Allen Robinson um, sure. for a playoff push. Because I, I think in a better situation. I think he's still a baller, and it's just, yeah, it's a frustrating situation right now with him. But you know, going getting back to what you were saying here, like, you know, I would love to see a, not a fire sale, but like a, a full on, like you know, think a little bit long term, some long term thinking moves. I just, I just don't think we're gonna see that because. Ryan Pace doesn't look at things long-term. He really, ever since 2018, he's never seen he – has, he hasn't looked at anything from a long-term lens. He, it's always about, you know, we're going to push all of our chips into the table for this year, and we're going to try to, you know, take our best swing for this year and, and you know, damn the future. We're going to, you know, we're worry about, the fu- worry about the future later. And yep. now we're getting to the point where Ryan Pace doesn't care about the future because he's probably, you know, if things don't go well this year, he might not be here in the future. So right. uh, it's just – you know, you're asking like Ryan Pace is what he is as a GM, and this this organization is where it is right now. And I I, I would love to see some you know smart moves that has the the future health of the organization in mind. But I I can see the face you're making, Robert. Like, you know what I know it. It's probably not going to
0: happen, unfortunately. Well, I mean, think about it, right? I don't know what the headspace of George McCaskey is as we wrap this game up. Because I think we're at the point where we're now we're, we're asking the question, like, where do they go from here? Right? Yeah. And the trouble is, is that so Matt Nagy's team, whether he was there or not, lost a game after a COVID outbreak which is not, I mean, it's kind of rare across the league. Right. So I don't know. Head coaches are kind of like presidents, right? They're responsible for everything. If like, not to please don't, don't let this get political, but I know that whether it's the state of the economy, the state of foreign affairs, like you could end up where England just randomly decided that they hated the United States of America. And that would fall on the president that happened to be there at the time, whether they did anything or not. And in the same way, head coaches kind of get pinned at everything, you know? And so the bears lose a key game. And that may mean that Nagy's on the way out. And so if Nagy's on the way out, pace is over two on head coaches, I don't know how he's not on the way out. I get why he wants to be aggressive. He would like to remain employed as the general manager of the Chicago Bears. But this is where I wish the ownership was a little bit more football savvy so that they could say, don't please, please don't. We're going to go in a different direction. And if you want to ride out the rest of your contract, you're going to do this, this, and that, and the other. But I don't think they know how to do that, right? So we end up with this team that I don't think, again, future trajectory We might have a quarterback, and if we do, we're good. But the question is, can we be great? Are we going to be the 2015 to 2021 Seattle Seahawks good, or are we going to be really good or potentially great? I think the next couple months will obviously make that decision. I think, honestly... The trouble with Allen Robinson seems to me right now that the Bears decided that they were going to get Demir Bird, Marquise Goodwin, and Darnell Mooney to do all of their deep threat work so that Allen Robinson would basically be a graduated Travis Kelsey. And that's not a $17 million role, to say the least, nor is that Justin Fields' preferred target, period, you know? Like, right now, he's kind of struggling to fit holes over the middle, and Fred Warner may have been part of that. Sure, but it's not as if we're seeing the post routes that Mitch Trubisky had tons of success with. I mean, you could literally almost think of Justin Fields' throwing profile as the anti trubisky and that's hilarious because Justin Fields and Alan Robinson have not gotten along at all. So I don't know if there's any, like, actual fundamental thing there, you know? But it definitely sticks out to me that I don't—I mean, the Bears don't use their two highest-paid players on offense— Alan Robinson and Jimmy Graham. Like, the current roster construction is not good enough from a, fund- a fundamental level to really go anywhere now or in the future. So we'll have to see what happens going forward because I don't think this game looked good for Matt If I was If I turned my brain off and tried to get to, like, George McCaskey's did we win or did we lose context is kind of unimportant mindset, this is not a good look as the bears lose to a two and four team. Um, and I don't know any final thoughts as we dive into this.
1: Yeah. I mean, just like looking big picture here. I mean, I know George McCaskey is probably, probably going to see this as a negative because it's another loss, um, win loss record. And it, again, like I, we kind of said this earlier, this was probably a winnable game for this bears team. Cause this 49ers team, like you just said, they're two and four. They're not very good. So in the short term, this was uh, this was a tough loss to take, and that's you know, it, it. Brings about a whole bunch of questions that we're going to be trying to answer over the next I don't know whatever however months we we have left of this season season. Determine, you know, are the guys who are in charge the right guys in charge for this to to help with Justin Fields and maximize his tenure with the Bears on his freaking contract moving forward, and you know. I think we both kind of know what our answers are, Robert. But we're just to, we're, it remains to be seen whether the McCaskies will come to that answer and kind of, I guess, how, do you, how would you say it, agree with us on that sentiment. But I guess in terms of like a positive takeaway here, like I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end it on a positive here because that's yeah. you know that's the best way to go about it. I think we saw what we needed to see from Justin Fields today, and that's really all that matters in the grand scheme of things. Because I mean, you kind of alluded to it earlier. If Justin Fields hits and if he's great. You know, this Bears team, regardless of who's in charge, regardless of the issues plaguing other parts of the roster, they're going to be relevant moving forward. And, you know, ideally you want to see them maximize Justin Fields on his rookie contract and and be a really dang good team right away here. But if it's not in the cards, it's not in the cards. But all, all you can say is that if you find a great quarterback, you know, eventually it's going to happen and, and things are going to go right for you. And Justin Fields, he, he took that step for, forward today where – it feels like we're getting closer to that point where we can say, you know, man, we, we got ourselves a quarterback. And, you know, if we can just get a few things in place here and there, we might have a chance here. And yep. that's really the most important thing.
0: I mean, I'll go all the way there. I will pick up your hell yeah torch and I will carry it. I mean, what? so I do think that sometimes we as Bears fans can get a little too focused on the rookie QB window. When in reality, most of the teams that have ridden that rookie QB window have lost the Super Bowl. Like, it's been mostly Brady, which really skews the uh, the data. So if you do remove Brady, you've got, like, Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger won one years ago. Aaron Rodgers never won it on his rookie deal. Like, at the end of the day, Fields played a really good game in his first game that wasn't pressuring him like crazy. And that's awesome news. That's the best news you could have gotten out of this week. The Bears lost, which is practically irrelevant because Justin Fields, number one, put up 100 yards rushing and 175 yards passing with two touchdowns before a desperate heave interception happened. I mean, you could spin the story however you want, but I thought from a down-to-down basis, he looked like he was clearly growing and moving in the right direction. That is great news as a Bears fan. Like, that, that's great. The question becomes again, What happens from here? Because I think at the end of the day, what we've really learned is that Super Bowl rosters are truly Super Bowl rosters. It isn't as simple as saying that quarterback's better, thus they're going to win. The last time we really saw, I think, the worst roster lose was probably Mahomes beating San Francisco, which is not me coming down on the Chiefs roster. It's more to say that that 49ers roster was absolutely loaded. But since then, we saw a loaded Tampa Bay win the Super Bowl because they should have. We saw years ago a loaded Seattle team Beat the Denver Broncos, who'd lit the world on fire with offense. My Super Bowl memory is not that great because the Bears are never in it, so I'm really trying to work here. The 2017 Eagles were just a phenomenal roster, and they won the Super Bowl. So the question now moves fr- from, at least I think it moves from, is Justin Fields good? Which, hey, jury's out, and it's gonna be out. We're not gonna know from here, but down this backstretch through the through November and December. What do the Bears do to get to the point where their roster is as complete as these true Super Bowl contenders? How do they take that step towards getting to where Cincinnati is going? That step to where uh, even Dallas, honestly, is going. Tampa Bay is. The Chiefs are falling away from. Like, there are a whole lot of things that the Bears could do that I think don't involve robbing Peter to pay Paul. But if I sound negative about it, it's purely because – this would be pace bucking a trend he has established over an eight year period, but Hey, all it takes is one to two moves. Maybe like in, in the front office to potentially reset a brand new window with surrounding fields with all the tools that he might need. I don't know. It's easy to be really positive in the face of a loss because the bears have a quarterback. It's also easy to be really negative wondering what are they going to do? What, what wild overpay are they going to make now to try to fix it with one swing of the bat? This is the way I would describe it. If it was baseball, we are down five runs, but we've got plenty of innings. So it's just a matter from here of making sure you don't try to win it all with one swing of the bat, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. All we can do now is just hope that Justin Fields continues to progress and develop throughout the course of the year. And, the future will handle itself. Hopefully, that's really all you can, you know, do from now. From a mindset standpoint, this year is all about Justin Fields and his development. And again, today was a very nice step
0: in the right direction for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Andrew. Thank you so much for jumping on and talking with me. Thanks for digesting this game with me. Where can folks find your work online, and what do you have coming out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, find my work online at the Bearport. Uh, you can check that out. Um, and you know, in terms of where you can follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at ajfreeman 25. I like to, uh, you know, do a lot, a lot of, a lot of interactions with fans on Twitter and, uh, certainly get a lot of content as well. One of the things I'm working on, uh, this year is my tracking the trenches series where I take a look at the pass rush and the pass protection, uh, for the bears in each game. And I kind of, if you're into stats and if you're into talking about the trenches and all that stuff, it's. I really enjoy putting that together. I kind of go through a a pass rush win rate and pressures and I, I break that all down uh, for you guys there. Uh, You can also uh, find me on the Bearport YouTube channel. I do some film work as well for them on that as well. I know Robert, you're, you're one of the big guys on, on on bear swear when it comes to the film stuff. And um, you know, I, I hope one day I can get to the level that, you,
0: the standard that you've set for yourself but... you are too kind all i do is watch the game talk about it and get a bunch of stuff wrong
1: so... <laughs> <laughs> isn't that what it's all about right, like, right. <laughs> at the end of the day you can guess so much but you know it there's so much that there, there's still so many interesting intricacies of the game that i'm still trying to pick up but I, I think at the end of the day it's all about trying to you know make mistakes where you where, where you can and and Uh, just learn from it and just continue to learn about that. But yeah, in terms of, you know, that stuff, definitely, uh, definitely uh, check that out if you're into some more film work um, and and just looking at things from a different angle, because, you know, Robert just, you do a great job with some of the stuff there. And um, yeah, definitely something that
0: I have a lot of fun putting together. And if you're into that type of thing, definitely give that a follow. And thank you for taking the trenches by the way, because I know I tend <laughs> to go towards skill position, defensive backs, coverage nets and so on and so forth. And even then I'm really not the ideal person to talk about it. But yeah, the Bears at this point, we move on, right? We're not there yet. Obviously, we've got 3 days of morning before turnover on Thursday, but everybody get yourself ready for a Monday night football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of a thrilling 15 15- to 10 win over cleveland so two teams with um not the greatest offenses are gonna go toe to toe on football's biggest stage can't wait andrew thanks so much for joining me and folks thank you so much for bearing with me